Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The delicious conversation starts right here and right now. And I welcome you, of course, to my kitchen. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something that you love on this program. And I hope you'll visit chefjamie.com where you'll find features and forums and recipes to take your cooking skills to the next level. You can do that by just staying tuned as well because every week you'll hear from celebrity chefs and artisans, food makers and stars, from mixologists and wine connoisseurs, everything having to do with fabulous food, fine wine, sensational spirits, and more, because this is where I feed your soul. And I'm grateful that you've tuned in. You can also follow on social where you will find my daily dish, most often gluttonous, at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a friend and a fan. And let me set the table for you in just a bit. I am always delighted when she stops by. Culinary nutritionist, seven-time best-selling author, the host of Ellie's Real Good Food on PBS, and a two-time James Beard Award winner with winter inspiration. Ellie Krieger is back, and I can't wait to dish with her, so please stay tuned. Also, before the end of the hour, Rowena Scherer grew up in Malaysia, worked on Wall Street, went to culinary school, and started a company called Eat to Explore. It is her goal to offer a worldwide cultural education through the exploration of food, and it has now been fulfilled in print. It's really a fascinating and impressive cookbook for cooking companions of all ages. And so we'll sit down and share the beauty of food from around the world before the end of the hour. You wouldn't want to touch your dial, really. My goal is to satiate your appetite. And I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts. Hopefully it makes you better at braising or brilliant with bread. And today we are in praise of mushrooms. Want to get cozy with me about mushrooms? Mushrooms are really good any time of the year, right? They're um, a year-round beauty. But there's something about that earthy flavor and the meaty texture that I crave when it's cold out. Now, add them to like a baked pasta or roast them and serve them alongside a steak. And I think that's just cozy food, right? For many years, the only commercial mushroom grown in the United States was the round-capped button mushroom. But today, we know we love the exotics, and they are very easily accessible, of course. Whether you're looking for shiitakes or enokis, whether you're reconstituting dried mushrooms so that you could use uh, trumpets or kings and all that beauty, I think that there is this beautiful, natural, savory flavor and texture to a mushroom that gives a wide variety of cuisines and cooking styles a new dimension. I love the availability of mushrooms fresh and dried today. And when it comes to dried, just a quick mention, you always want to save that infused 
hot water, well, started hot and cooled down, that you've reconstituted the mushrooms in after you strain it, of course, for use in your sauces and your soup. So please, waste not, want not. But when it comes to fresh mushrooms, each mushroom possesses its own unique flavor, right? Uh, I think that mushrooms pair beautifully with the onion family, garlic, shallot. Uh, They definitely benefit from a touch of citrus juice or vinegar so that you can add um, a piquant, like a, you know, a bite, a little bit of acid for sure. And it's true that a simple saute with butter, garlic, and salt is just enough. Maybe you're adding them to an Asian noodle dish or strewn atop grilled meat. But when it comes to buying mushrooms, you always want to look for plump, clean ones that look fresh, no age spots or signs of wrinkling. And to clean them, that's a question I get often. Um, I happen to use uh, a paper towel or a kitchen towel to gently brush away any dirt from the cap of the mushroom. And I'll take the stem out and I throw those into my freezer bag of all of the stems of mushrooms, stems from the parsley, peel from the onion to make chicken stock at a later date that infuses great flavor. And conventional wisdom and culinary advice tells you never to wash a mushroom, of course. But I do want you to know it's okay Even after a prolonged soak with extensive research, uh, they are said to only gain about 2% of their total weight in water, which is not enough to make a big difference in cooking time. You can wash them in cold water if they are super dirty and you can spin them dry in a salad spinner and proceed as usual. Uh, But I think it's best to wipe them clean, minimal effort, minimum cleaning, moving on. Now, raw mushrooms are pretty bland um, on their own, like the basic typical mushroom, right? Um, I think that's why, as a kid, part of the reason so many people grew up really disliking them, they were either just too neutral or rather slimy. But a properly cooked mushroom is meaty and intense and deeply flavored, and that's what I'm after. So you can simply saute mushrooms of every variety in a mix of olive oil and butter, I use that mix for smoking point and flavor, of course, or you can roast them to perfection. You quarter the traditional mushrooms, you toss them with a little olive oil and you roast at 375 degrees for about 15 minutes. And then you drain the liquid from the sheet pan and you continue roasting them until they're brown. This is my best method. Why, you ask? First and foremost, a moderate oven temperature is good for mushrooms because you want to give them time to lose their internal moisture and for the flavor to concentrate. So 375 is good. But the best way to speed up the process is to drain the water from these sponge-like structures, right? Um, And when the moisture is gone, then you get natural caramelization. And it speeds up, of course, the browning time by draining the liquid from the sheet pan. What do you do with that beautifully, intensely mushroom-flavored liquid? Um, I think it's a great substitute for soy sauce if you're trying to cut down on the bottled stuff. Um, but you can always add it into a stock or throw it into that bag of scraps, etc. 
Now, roasted mushrooms are great on their own, but you could add fresh herbs. Um, you could throw in your other veggies and continue to roast. Um, you could add that mushroom juice, by the way, to risotto or rice when you're cooking it. It's a flavor boost. But here is the most important mention about mushrooms. Listen up. This is really important. Like the most important thing to happen this weekend. Not really. But mushrooms, you know, they're delicious. The most important mention about mushrooms is one to season with salt. Pepper, all you. But when do you season with salt? If you add salt immediately after you start to cook a mushroom, no matter what method you're using, you will draw out the water from the mushroom very quickly, making them simmer in their own liquid from the start. And you will get a rubbery, tough mushroom with little or lesser flavor. But if you add salt, whether you're sauteing or roasting, after they have caramelized near the end of cooking, you will get a caramelized, beautifully textured, scrumptious mushroom that has fabulous flavor. Got it? Save the salt for last when it comes to cooking mushrooms. That's all you have to remember. And then there's this. If you want to store mushrooms the best way possible for the longest life, please do it in a plastic bag left open. So, you know, three quarters of the way closed with a paper towel inside, or you could use a glass bowl lined with a paper towel because that will absorb some of the moisture as the mushrooms age and you will get a longer life out of them. And that is a lesson in mushrooms. And I hope it helped. For mushroom inspiration, of course, I have a wild mushroom risotto, a caramelized mushroom tart. I do baked eggs on a bed of sauteed mushrooms. So good. Posted at chefjamie.com. And coming up before the end of the hour, mushroom inspiration for your air fryer. Okay, so now you just have to listen. But don't go anywhere. Because when we come back, Ellie Krieger is here. And she's all about the good things, right? We know her, we love her, and we're going to be eating well right after the break. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Thanks for listening. Don't go away. Satiating your appetite every weekend, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. She's a culinary nutritionist, a seven-time best-selling author, the host of Ellie's Real Good Food on PBS, a two-time James Beard Award winner, and so much more. And she is here to share winter inspiration. I am always thrilled and honored to welcome back to the radio Ellie Krieger. 
It is many years ago I share the story. I had the distinct opportunity to sit down and lunch with Ellie. And I am very grateful that she has remained my friend and that she continues to grace this show. And so she's back to get us revved up for 2024, to share her new projects, dish on her freshest recipes, help us find that sweet spot where healthy and delicious meat. And so happy almost February, Ellie, and a belated happy new year to you. How are you, my friend? Oh, same to you, Jamie. <laughs> you. It's always great to be here. And I'm doing well. You know, I it's not my favorite time of the year in the Northeast, I have to say. <laughs> right. But despite that, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the year so far. Okay. I'm glad you are. And I know that you're hanging in there um, because you are in full throttle soup mode right now, girlfriend. I watch the daily posts and we're all looking for soup inspiration and um, everybody's loving what you're feeding us, um, you know, literally and figuratively. But what is the soup of the day? Oh my gosh. First of all, I have to say I'm obsessed with soup all year round. So I make a soup every single week of my life. In the summer, it is a chilled soup. It's a gazpacho. It's a chilled zucchini soup. It's a yogurt soup with fresh vegetables and so on. It's a fruit-based soup, whatever it may be. In the winter, it's like really, it's my survival strategy. I mean, make a big pot of soup. And what I love about it is it's so easy to incorporate the most healthful ingredients and do it in such a comfort food way. So, gosh, I just made... um, well, here's a kind of cool thing. I'm going this weekend to a soup swap, which, oh. have you ever been to one or heard of that? It's, a, it's sort of like a cookie swap. But um, everybody makes like a batch of their own soup and you trade, right? Yeah. yeah so everyone so makes cool. six quarts of soup and bring it, we bring it to Central Park and we <laughs> put them all out and then everyone, we do it in rounds and everyone, you come with six quarts of one type of soup, which I'm making split pea with ham. Nice. And then with a dill also and some leeks. And Ooh. it's so, so good. Beautiful. <laughs> and But I'm going to come back with six quarts of different types of soup, you know, to, remaining to be seen. So I'm so excited. This is my new soup adventure yes. that I started. Um, I got invited to one last year, and I love it. I remember that. I know we talked about it. And I love that you not only gain soup, right? I mean, you fill your fridge and your freezer with soup. Uh, someone else cooks for you, which as much as I love to cook, please don't get me wrong. I love when other people cook and you gain inspiration. Like, you know, if someone's making parsnip apple soup or there's some combination, right? Or you taste a soup that you make, but there's this better and you can elevate your own. I, I just, I love the whole concept of it, like from a culinary perspective. Oh yeah. It's a true sharing. And actually for my Washington Post column, after last year's soup swap, I wound up doing a version of one of the soups that I loved the most, which I had never heard of before. And it's just super fun to say. It's a kakaliki soup. Kakaliki it's, soup. Um, <laughs> it's a chicken and yes. leek soup. That's yes. a Scottish soup. And this um, Scottish guy who brought it you know it was like his grandma's recipe and I just um I made a version of it and I love it it has barley in it Mm. and it's just super simple and 
elegant, sort of, in a very homey way. Yes. So, um, so yeah, some cockaliki soup <laughs> crossed my path. Okay, send some, please. I have to tell you, yes. I, I don't think we talk about them enough. I don't think they get their day in the sun. I love leeks. I, I mean, going back in my memory, I can tell you, I remember my mom sauteing leeks before, you know, before the onions or instead of in place of the onions that went into a saute. And so they were always like buttery and sweet and lovely to me, but I think they get forgotten. I will never forget them personally, Ellie. I don't know if you remember, but leeks were my initial challenge on Beat Bobby Flay. And I I oh, had, were they? They were. He pulled a leak from, you know, behind his back. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, thank God, because I had, <laughs> you know, I had spent weeks on end leading up to competing on Beat Bobby Flay thinking like, what am I going to do with snails and like any crazy <laughs> ingredient you could come up with? And I ended up making buttered leeks on toasted brioche with a poached egg and lemony hollandaise. And oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It was so delicious, but the leeks were the highlight. And I, I really think that leeks should take center stage. I completely agree. I don't know why they're like kind of underrepresented. They're so they're pretty inexpensive. Yes, especially true. in season in the spring. They're like easy to you can get them at the farmers market. Right. I think people are a little bit afraid of cleaning them because they could be kind of gritty, uh, sandy, yeah, dirty. So you really have to kind of get in there and wash them well. But other than that, they're simple to cook. Yeah, I I think just a, a cut down the center right and a a good wash in between the leaves and they are easy to cook they're delicious absolutely delicious all right more leeks please um can you please talk (laughs) about the dried pears you made and shared oh gosh yeah so I actually um I love turning fruits and vegetables into kind of like chips yes so of course kale chips okay Never buy kale chips. Always make them yourself. There's no comparison. I'll just throw that out there. I agree. But basically, you can do the same thing with fruit and with pears, or you can do this with apples as well. Slice them really thinly, ideally using a mandolin, but you can do a chef's knife to to cut it really thinly, and then just bake them on parchment paper at, like, kind of the lowest your oven will go in a way, at, like, 225 degrees. Or if you have a dehydrator, great. Yes. Um, but it's that sort of effect. And then you just bake them and they lose their water, right, and become crispy. Yeah. And th- it concentrates the flavor so much that it's just like this pure expression of pearness. Yes. And um, crispy, mm. but with a little bit of chew to it. It's lovely on a cheese board. Beautiful. Really lovely. Um, it's nice to put in a in a lunchbox, you know, Uh just as like a sweet snack for after. Yes. And, you know, there's one ingredient, it's pears. Okay, you could put cinnamon on it if you want. You can kind of gussy it up, but you don't have to. I mean, the pear itself has so much nuanced flavor, and it really comes to light by doing this. I feel like you're savoring the season, and you cook so much with the season, and I love that about you and your style, but I feel like when you're drying pears, or I do dried pineapple, because I like to stick the spears or, mm. or rings out of a uh, 
pancake breakfast or a dessert or otherwise. And they were just beautiful, by the way. So I went directly to my kitchen. I sliced a pear on a mandolin. I put it in the oven. <laughs> I followed suit. <laughs> you should know. Um, and of the, course you did. Uh, they were delicious. Absolutely delicious. And gone in a second, right? Like before I could even use them. So um, I don't know how that happened. Um, PBS hit host Ellie Krieger is here. And we're talking all about winter inspiration. Don't touch your dial. Back right after this. Jamie Gwen in your radio hours of satiation. You can find podcasts of this show that you might have missed on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. But the conversation continues and it is delectable. Ellie Krieger is here, PBS superstar, of course, seven time best selling cookbook author, and the nutritionist we love because there's still chocolate somewhere, right? Right, Ellie? Um, for winter comfort food in the rain and the snow and the cold, if I put cauliflower in my mac and cheese, it's Ellie approved, right? <laughs> well, maybe not just any mac and cheese, okay. but I do have, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, all food is Ellie approved. If you yes. are enjoying yourself, you are Ellie approved. That's what it's about. If you are right. genuinely enjoying yourself. And so just savor, enjoy. So I'm a dietitian, and I'm not, and I really believe that food should be pleasurable and that you don't have to say no to anything. I see food as usually, sometimes, and rarely. So you know, a regular, a mac and cheese with like a ton of butter and a ton of cheese. I'm just going to have that rarely, right? Every once in a while. And I'm going to love every bite of it. And I'm probably not going to eat too much because it's so rich, right? right? But the way I make my mac and cheese, I make it super cheesy, but with enough cheese to give you that like, ooh, I'm eating mac and cheese, but without so much that it's like kind of drowning in like the drowning in it, right? Yeah. Um, so I make I make it in a skillet. I, this particular version that you're talking about, I actually I find it really kind of drives home that comfort food love kind of vibe to make something in a cast iron skillet. Yeah, it's caramelized. It right oh yeah, definitely. And you do it beautifully because I think especially right now we are consumed with this weight loss cleansing. Uh, you know, rid your body. And we see it in the media everywhere. And it is a constant. And really feeding your soul, as I like to say, eating, you know, healthfully and well and satisfying your, uh, your palate is what you've always been about. And it's easy to do. It's, it's easy to enjoy food and still, uh, and still remain healthy in, you know, whatever way it is that makes your body feel good. And that's why I follow you. That's why I want to see the daily recipe. That's why I'm making mac and cheese with cauliflower because you're adding that healthy and delicious where, where they meet. That's what you talk about. You're, you're adding that component to my life. I'm so happy that, about that. And we can live like that. I yes. think we wind up living in this place where we're like, 
either where we really have like almost like a moralistic perspective on food, either I'm being good or I'm being bad. Mm. And it's very black and white, yeah. and it's very swinging back and forth between I'm being good and being bad. It's like all or nothing. And I think we really collectively need to get out of this kind of like all or nothing mentality, and that's how we're going to find balance. Um, and, and also emotional balance around it because it can really mess with you if you're thinking, I've been bad. No, you haven't. You just ate something. <laughs> it's just food and you're not bad. No, so, not And you don't need bad. to be cleaned either, by the way. So I think that we tend to feel like we need to punish ourselves for the holidays. or We don't need to do any of that. Um, and we just literally just focusing on nourishing yourself well and what makes you feel good. Um, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Sure. So I think maybe sometimes we're just focused on what makes me feel good this very minute. But finding that pleasure point where it's delicious and also nourishing you and making you feel good, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and, and we're following suit. That leads me <laughs> to ask you about the podcast, One Real Good Thing, because that's really what you're spreading the gospel of, right? The focus on something that feeds your soul, and tell us about it, because it's a hit. Congratulations to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm yeah. so enjoying it. So one real good thing, and every week I focus on one thing you can do right now to propel your life in a healthy direction. And so it's food, and I'm talking to great culinary experts who are, you know, I just talked with um, um, Grace Young, who talked about how to level up your stir-fry and why <laughs> stir-frying can be such a helpful way to cook and we really went it dove into like she spilled on what her you know the actual low sodium soy sauces that she actually likes which I didn't expect her to even have any so that was really kind of cool that is cool. um so we're talking I'm talking about food but I'm also talking about um lifestyle fitness happiness I, I talked with Tal Ben Shahar for example who started the happiness studies um the uh, happiness studies Institute, I'm, I'm probably naming it wrong, but uh, at Harvard University, and he was incredible, and he was talking about the one thing he thought that we, to, for people to do to make themselves happier, and this is backed by research, is make other people shine, make those around you shine. So not even focusing on yourself, and we had this wonderful conversation about how that brings happiness to your life. And um, so things like that. So it's food, it's lifestyle, it's happiness, it's fitness, um, ha staying motivated and things like that. So it's been really fun um, for me to get to know these experts and talk to them and to see health and well-being as like a real 360 encompassing all of these things. I love the mindfulness aspect of your podcast, um, and I do find it very motivating. So kudos to you. We're loving it. Um, okay, before I let you go, uh, do you have a favorite chili recipe for the big game? Oh, my goodness. All right. So first of all, I was actually noticing this the other day, that I have a different chili recipe in every one of my seven books. <laughs> and that is how much I love chili. That is a testament to chili. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I was like, how is this possible? But I have a white bean turkey chili. I have a, um, a chipotle black bean chili with orange. I have a three bean confetti chili. I mean, really, I can't pick one. But what I do love, what I can tell you is what I do love to do when I'm, like, hosting is I put a big pot of chili up, sometimes two, like a meat one and a vegetarian one. 
And then I just put out all the fixins and I make it like a chili bar. Yes. So everyone just comes into the kitchen and makes their own chili and it's warm on the stove or it's in a crock pot or whatever. And then I, it's so effortless and so fun and everyone loves it. Yeah. So I do suggest that for like these upcoming like game day and Oscar parties and stuff like that. Fabulous. And I love that your that the continuing theme of your chili is beans, right? So you, you're packing it with protein, you're getting all the goodness of it, but it's still like hearty, feed your soul comfort food. I mean, that's the best thing about a pot of chili to me. And by the way, I want to make my own bowl, Ellie. I want to put like a lot of pickled onions on it and a very nice scoop of sour cream. And, um, you know, I need some thinly sliced jalapenos and I think it is very DIY. So when you leave it to everyone to make it themselves, it becomes Per, like a personal bowl of chili that way. And there's something wonderful about that. I completely agree. And by the way, I personally love all your selections. Oh. And I love just a crunch of chips on top. Oh, yes, like please. Like tortilla chips. Yes. <laughs> and a squeeze of lime. Oh. And cilantro. So I, mine has a lot of toppings. Yeah, a lot of toppings. The toppings are are equally as good as the bowl of chili they rest on. Um, tell us about your newsletter, please. Oh, my gosh. So I'm loving this. So I, I'm doing a newsletter on Substack. So yes. I have two. I have a free one, which I encourage everyone to sign up for. And then I also have a paid subscription level, which I am loving doing. And I'm writing articles. I'm really doing deep dives into nutrition issues that people ask me about. How much protein do you really need? What... Is fruit really, you know, how much fruit should you eat? Should you be worrying about the sugar? Um, I'm giving exclusive recipes to the paid subscribers. So every um, week they're getting, every week week they're getting um, recipes that are kind of in my secret stash that aren't on my website, which I have a ton on my website. But, um, but these are my, I call it my secret stash. And I'm just, I'm loving the community I'm building there. I, I think it's like having a personal nutritionist by your side. One, it feels very one-on-one and there's something beautifully intimate about that connection. So um, we are all very pleased that you're doing it. Please keep it going. We're reading the Substack. We're listening to the podcast. We're living our best lives because of at Ellie Krieger. It's Ellie underscore Krieger. You can watch on your local PBS station, of course. Uh, you can check out Ellie's most recent bestseller cookbook, Hole in One. Uh, you can listen to the podcast, One Real Good Thing, on every streaming platform, wherever you listen. And of course, you can go to elliekrieger.com and find a recipe for dinner tonight. I love when you grace the show. I am... Um, ever grateful for our continuing friendship and i thank you for keeping us in real good food ellie thank you you're the best jamie thank you so much thank you thank you i'll talk to you soon and we'll stay in touch Uh, we have the best culinary thinkers on this show she is ellie krieger and she is one real good thing let me tell you chef jamie gwen in your radio grab a snack come on back there's more fabulous food in your radio right after this
If you have adventurous taste, you are in the right place. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Welcome back. This is the coolest cookbook. To get in the kitchen with your family, inspire your kids to cook, to eat and explore new flavors, to teach history and geography and cultural cuisines, you have to check it out. Rowena Scherer grew up in Malaysia. After working on Wall Street and living all around the world, she decided she wanted to create the same lasting memories with her children. She attended the French Culinary Institute. She began to source hard-to-find non-perishable ingredients that highlighted her cherished foods, and she started Eat to Explore. Eat the number two, Explore. It's an explorer box filled with authentic recipes and activities and collectibles that offers a worldwide cultural education through the exploration of food. And then she wrote a fabulous cookbook. It is a globe-trotting tome that includes 60 delicious recipes meant to introduce new flavors and new cultures to cooking companions of all ages. It's entitled A Taste of the World, Celebrating Global Flavors, and Rowena Scherer is here to dish all about it. I'm delighted to have you, Rowena, and congratulations. What a beautifully inspired book. You should be very proud. Thank you so much, Chef Jamie, and thank you for having me on yes. your call. Yes, um, of course. Um, all right, L- let's talk about the inspiration behind the book, um, because you really, with great intention, wanted to foster a respect and understanding among future generations, right? This was really your way of introducing culture, and it has paid dividends in your family, and now you're spreading the gospel. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I, uh, my mission the, all, the whole time is to really foster global awareness, and what more fun than doing it through food, right? For and sure. also uniting families together to the joy of, like, culinary adventures, you know, discovering new country and the culture, um, make it as a family activity as well. Um, and, and I feel we, we owe it to the next generation to make them really a better global citizen. Yes. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I know we talked offline, your children um, are older now, but they, they come back home to the table. They come back to the kitchen. And the experiences and the time that you have with them now is very much centered around cooking together, celebrating a meal. You nurtured that in them. And the creation of this book was very much based on uh, building that connection. Absolutely. So what happened was I grew up in Malaysia, as you explained, and I grew up, my mother made me make us, me and my sister's cook and clean our room every Sunday. So it's, it's sort of like a routine that's in my family and in my, you know, day-to-day that I didn't even think about it until much later when I had my own children after work, working on Wall Street. And they were 9 and 12 at that point, and we were actually in a cooking class where they look at me, they're like, Mom, what do you want me to do with the, with the onion? <laughs> and literally, I was so upset with myself because if I had followed the footsteps of my mom and make it into a routine of cooking together family connection through food, um, this would not have happened. I would have, I, I, you know, I would have a 9 and a 12-year-old then that have learned a life skill of cooking that they can just make a meal with me or by themselves. Yeah. And so that was sort of the trip where I came back and I'm like, you know what, 
I owe it to my own family, and I owe it to like make an ex- kind of expand experience that I have learned over the years, and the culture that I have pro- learned um, and share that with everybody, right? And I say this month we're exploring South Korea, and the next month we're exploring you know Ethiopia and talk about the whole country and what do they eat, what are the people, what do they say, and that's such a great memories that you built together. Yes, and now my kids. They are both young adults. We cook once or twice a year, Thanksgiving and Lunar New Year. Mm. But they know they have a life skill. They yes. know how to feed themselves, and, they and they're ha- confident in any country they go to. I think this is a, a beautiful lesson in a cookbook. I think this is a beautiful testament to inspiring your children to be connected not only to their own family, but to families abroad, to give them an opportunity to taste the world. Um, Eat to Explore is ever growing. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Where you can explore the world in your kitchen from the starter kit um, to a specific country um, to talk about your family roots. I think it's just a beautiful way to get your, your children involved. Um, and the book is uh, is truly inspiring, Rowena. So congratulations Thank you. to you. Thank you. The book is entitled A Taste of the World, Celebrating Global Flavors. It is written by Rowena Scherer, S-C-H-E-R-E-R. And you can follow, the website and the handle are the same. It's eat the number two explore, eat to explore and check out the boxes. What a beautiful way to bring families together through the exploration of diverse countries and cultures and cuisines. This cookbook should be in every family's collection. I truly believe it. So please check it out. Rowena, um, continued success to you. Thank you for making the world a better place. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. At least I hope you thought so. I hope you'll tune in every weekend so that I can uh, at least make you hungry, inspire delicious dishes, and make you the best cook you know. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. This is one of my favorite go-to air fryer recipes. It is simply delicious, literally. It's super easy. It's full of fabulous flavor and it's protein strong. And if you did some air fried baby potatoes or just a simple salad, you have the perfect weeknight meal, but it still feels hearty. I hope that you heard me dish at the beginning of the hour. Uh, It was my goal to wax poetic about... Uh, mushrooms. I was in praise of mushrooms. If you love mushrooms on your steak, well then grab your air fryer because you'll use a filet mignon, white button mushrooms, some olive oil, Worcestershire, and garlic powder, five ingredients to make my eight minute steak and mushroom bites. They are so good. And I'm posting the recipe now on social, Facebook, Instagram, and whatever that other one is. At Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope you'll become a friend and a fan. You can find more culinary inspiration at chefjamie.com, where I'm always serving up seconds. And I hope that I can see you sit you down at the table next weekend, where there's lots more fabulous food guaranteed in your radio. I thank you for listening once again. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.